mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Hancock County Farmers Market continues well past the summer season, and they're changing things up a bit this week. We'll get details. Also this morning, remember when pet adoptions soared during the pandemic? Well, now shelters are seeing the opposite problem, a surge in the number of abandoned animals and fewer people stepping forward to bring a homeless pet into their family. Of course, you can do something about that. And happening around town, J.R. Smith will join us to preview his turn as the founding father who winks at us in the upcoming Fort Findlay Playhouse second stage production of Ben Franklin, An Ingenious Life. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, August 17th, 2023. This is big news, the first thing that you need to know this morning, and that's where we like to start with the very first things you need to know to start your day. Move over, mimosas. If you love Eggo waffles, you're going to love Eggo brunch in a jar, sipping cream. <laughs> or maybe not. This new concoction... It's a drink that contains all the flavors of brunch, plus enough booze to make it illegal to sell to minors. (laughs) It is a liqueur with flavors uh, that evokes the flavors of Eggo waffles, maple syrup, butter, and a hint of bacon. Uh, Yeah, okay. I think I'll just stick to the mimosas. Uh, I, I think so. But yeah, uh, Eggo waffles, maple syrup, butter, a hint of bacon, and booze. This is the Eggo brunch in a jar sipping cream. So I don't know where or when this will be available, but there you go. Not to be outdone, Duncan is venturing into new territory, announcing the launch of a canned Duncan spiked iced tea and iced coffee. Spiked uh, alcoholic beverages from Duncan. Now, should point out that this is not in the stores. You can't go into a Duncan store and get these spiked drinks. But they have already hit store shelves. In grocery and liquor stores in a dozen states and soon to come in more. The Duncan Spiced Iced Teas, boasting a 5% alcohol by volume, pay homage to the chain's menu with four flavors, slightly sweet iced tea, half and half iced tea, strawberry dragon fruit iced tea, and mango pineapple iced tea. Meanwhile... The Duncan Spiced Ice Coffee, with 6% alcohol by volume, draws inspiration from popular coffee choices like the Original Iced Coffee, Caramel Iced Coffee, Mocha Iced Coffee, and Vanilla Iced Coffee. So, yeah, that's what we need, is we need uh, more alcoholic breakfast uh, items. That's what we need. from Duncan, and then this uh, Eggo Waffle concoction, which... Just, I'm sorry, doesn't sound appetizing. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Again, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is something that you are likely to hear more about. 
Folks may be talking about this on social media. Some of the talk shows might bring this up. The father of a 12-year-old black boy who was briefly detained by police while taking out the trash at his home in Lansing, Michigan. Dad says he just cannot bring himself to accept an apology from the city's police department. Uh, apparently, the uh, the kid, his name is Bernard, he had been washing dishes in the kitchen. Um, or no, I'm sorry, that's dad's name is Bernard. Uh, he'd been washing dishes in the kitchen, cleaning up in the, uh, in the house, and uh, became concerned because his son, Tashawn, uh, he had sent him to take out the trash, their apartment complex, taking out the trash at this complex involves taking the bag of garbage to the dumpster for the uh, apartment building and, and then come, but, but Tashawn hadn't, hadn't come back. And uh, so he went outside to check uh, and see if there was a problem only to find his son in handcuffs. Tashawn later told his father is walking back to his apartment after placing the trash in the dumpster when a police vehicle approached him. Officer got out of the vehicle and unholstered his gun, put him in handcuffs, and placed him in the back of the patrol car. Uh, all without an explanation as to why, at least according to the family's account of the incident. Um, on Friday, this happened last week, on Friday, the Lansing Police Department said that their officers had been searching for a suspect in a string of car thefts And the boy, according to the police's account, uh, the police account of what happened, the boy was wearing similar clothing and in the same apartment complex as the accused car thief who fled from officers on foot. So they have apologized for the mix-up to the family. The family is, um, I don't know whether they're not convinced about the story or they're just not satisfied with it, uh, what have you, but uh, another incident of mistaken identity and unfortunately for the uh, for the police it's an african-american family at the uh, center of this uh, controversy so we'll see where that goes kind of an interesting story there uh, a couple of other items among the first things that you need to know this morning i saw this on the newswire and it uh, actually makes you kind of stand up and pay attention younger people being diagnosed with cancer more often than they used to Increase in the number of cancer diagnoses among young people. A study published in the journal JAMA Network um, shows that between 2010 and 2019, there has been a substantial increase in the rates of early onset cancers. Gastrointestinal cancers had the fastest growing rates among young people. Authors of the study in JAMA say that it's important to inform healthcare professionals of the discovery um, uh, of this research and urged experts to look into possible tumors when clinically appropriate, even in those under the age of 50, because that generally is the delineation between 40 and 50 for most cancers. And basically what they're saying to doctors is don't assume that it's not cancer uh, just because the uh, patient is younger, because we're seeing an uptick in the number of uh, younger cancers being reported. Uh, really kind of interesting and bothersome. And a reminder for all of us, uh, get those screenings, get to the doctor, routine visits, how a lot of these early cancers are caught, even and especially at young ages. Speaking of uh, young people, we're getting close to back to school. And uh, this is maybe not a surprise, uh, 
You remember back when you were a kid, when we were kids, there were cliques in school. In a high school, middle school especially, you start to, you know, kids start divvying up into these cliques. Well, yeah, they're still around. Researchers from Florida found that the popular cliques in schools are still very real. This is from Florida Atlantic University, FAU. Study found that life is harder for middle schoolers who are less uh, less athletic and less attractive. That's what the research says. The more unpopular a student becomes, the more likely they are to engage in problematic coping mechanisms. Growing marginalization in turn precipitates loneliness and things like alcohol misuse of those who began drinking to intoxication during the course of the school year. And again, we're talking about middle schoolers here. Almost two-thirds were above average in unpopularity or below average in popularity, however you want to phrase that. The study included 580 middle school students between the ages of 10 and 13. And again, looking at alcohol uh, abuse among those in that age group. Parents are encouraged to provide opportunities for their kids to make friends with well-adjusted classmates. So, but uh, I've the only thing that I... I don't want to say I take issue with it. The only thing that kind of uh, makes me pause about this is the idea that life is harder for middle schoolers who are less athletic or less attractive. Less attractive by whose standards? That's, I don't know. I That that just that kind of bothered me the way they, they put that. I mean, everybody is attractive uh, in their own way. And everybody, somebody finds everyone uh, attractive. Everybody has someone who will find them attractive. Um, so the idea that, oh, your, uh, life is harder for you because you're less attractive. I don't know. I don't, it just bothers me. But the, but the point of the study is, uh, is well taken and clicks still exist in schools. And by the way, speaking of school and we're getting into a back to school season, this is how about this? Um, this is our hero of the day. <laughs> Uh, the principal of Henrietta Elementary School in Oklahoma, Roger Williams, um, <laughs> he went to bat for a student who lost her tooth at school and uh, and promptly swallowed it. Here's the story. Uh, a young lady at school, uh, right in the middle of uh, lunch period, Lost her tooth. And again, this is elementary school. She lost her tooth. Tooth came out. And she accidentally swallowed it. (laughs) This happens, right? This happens. Uh, Apparently, the girl was heartbroken. She was dismayed, fearing that the tooth fairy might miss, uh, you know, might not come around because she didn't have the tooth placed under her pillow because she swallowed it. Um, So, Principal Williams stepped in to save the day. Armed with his trained principal and hobby dentist status he drafted an official tooth fairy notification on school letterhead (laughs) he wrote as a trained principal and dental hobbyist i can verify that there is definitely a gap in casey's uh casley's teeth that was not there this morning when she came in he goes on to request a standard monetary exchange rate for a real tooth and sent home the signed it signed the principal and uh, signed it sent the letter home uh, with the uh, with the girl to place under her pillow. <laughs> uh, 
Kaisley's dad, uh, Warren Blake, shared the whimsical note on social media, giving the principal a shout-out for being an unsung hero in the whole thing. I have to give a shout-out to Kaisley's principal. She lost her tooth and swallowed it. She was so upset about the tooth fairy not being able to see her. Um, and uh, he sent home this note with her. The uh, tooth fairy gladly accepted it. The story has a happy ending. Um, not all people will take time out and actually care about the little things that mean a whole lot to these kids. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for the uh, school principal. Thank you very much, sir. That is uh, all kinds of awesome. So kudos there to uh, Principal Robert D- or uh, uh, Roger Williams at uh, Henrietta, uh, Henrietta Elementary School in Oklahoma. That is all kinds of awesome. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, sunshine early today, then showers developing later, high in the low 80s, showers possible tonight, a low in the mid-50s. The Finley Police Department said two vehicles were stolen from a business and one led officers on a short pursuit before crashing. Police responded to Marvin Motors at 600 North Main on the report of a breaking and entering. The owner of the business called police and said he was following two vehicles that were stolen. Officers located the first on Defiance Avenue and attempted to pull it over but it sped off and crashed into a residence in the 500 block of North Cory. Police said the driver, a 58-year-old from Toledo, was arrested and taken to the Hancock County Jail. The second stolen vehicle was located abandoned in the 500 block of West Street. Police said three males were involved in the vehicle thefts and two of the suspects were still at large. Get more on the website. Some Ohioans are headed to Hawaii to help find victims of that deadly wildfire. Ohio Task Force 1 is mobilizing near Dayton International Airport. They've received activation orders for three cadaver dogs to be sent to Maui to deal with the wildfires. The team will deploy three handlers and three dogs, all trained and certified to detect and alert for deceased persons. Ohio Task Force 1 will be joining Washington Task Force 1 and Nevada Task Force 1, along with a large number of already deployed canines in Lahaina. Reporting near Dayton, Kevin Landers. The date has been announced for the 2023 Cops and Kids Finley Halloween Parade. The popular annual event will be held on Tuesday, October 24th at 7 p.m. as Finley transforms into a Halloween wonderland. Early bird parade registration opens on September 11th, while standard registration opens October 1st. Get more details on the parade and see video from last year in the story on our website. The city of Finley announcing the hiring of four new police officers and two new firefighters. You can see their picture and a little write-up on each in the story on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So it is our cover story this morning. The Hancock County Farmer's Market uh, continues. And this lasts well past the summer season. Uh, they are changing things up a bit this week, actually. Scott Greenerth is with us in the studio this morning. Scott, thanks for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to do it. So uh, first things uh, to, to make note of, if, if folks are not regulars at the farmer's market, uh, it is not just veggies and greens. I mean, you do have that. Plenty. but and, and a lot of it, especially right about now. But uh, it's, it's more than that, and it is always changing. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We've got people who have baked goods, and which is that's one of the people when you mentioned well beyond the season, mm-hmm. starting in May when we open. Yeah. That's the strength of the market right there. You know, yeah. great local baked goods, mm-hmm. um, really unique items there. People with soap that's locally made as well. Functional woodworking, Whiskey Creek Woodworking just makes beautiful stuff for the kitchen and the house and all yeah. that. And then you get into honey, maple syrup, things like that. We've, so we've got that all year round, basically, mm-hmm. and which does, as you said, go all yeah. the way through October. Yeah. Um, and then as things come into season, um, you will get other things uh, oh, yeah. that will be a part of uh, the farmer's market as well. So if you if you went a month ago, you're going to find a lot of yes. new stuff uh, as more stuff comes into season. And it's wonderful that uh, one of our most popular vendors by far, Tom Lawrence, Lawrence Produce, you he, you never know when he might show up with some strawberries because he gets his, he just knows what he's doing <laughs> so incredibly well. And like last week, he's like, oh, I've got strawberries. He got another batch that came up. So yeah, Very indeed, cool. you never know. Uh, Reem Produce, uh, they are really good too for like, you know, hey, we got a, got some of this that came in this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the heirloom tomatoes, things like that. Uh, and right now we've got Andre's produce that they've got a few weeks or so at this peak produce season. Mm-hmm. They're just overloaded and said, Hey, we want to come to the market. They've yeah. got again, fabulous heirloom tomatoes there. Um, so yeah, indeed stuff pops up all around. And, and the, the points to emphasize, which is uh, always the case with the farmer's market, whether it's here or wherever, I mean, this is the farmer's market kind of uh, concept is that it's all local. Yes. Uh, and it, it's so healthy. I mean, it's fresh from the farm. So that's really the. Absolutely. And you get people like I mentioned, Andre's produce that they're, while they're not certified organic, they do everything organically on their, their practices there. Mm-hmm. So you get local people that really care. And so when you think about, I had someone ask me at the peak of you know, the uh, fuel prices going up so badly, you know, yeah. months ago, right? That, uh, that was kind of like, just as we were starting to get into our produce season real good there. And someone said, well, how's that impacted anybody? I'm like, some of these people literally could walk from where they're growing. Like we've got one person who, uh, B&M Nursery, he's right off of just South Main Street in downtown yeah. Finley, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you're getting stuff super fresh and local. Mm-hmm. It's not been hauled all over the country, hardly. <laughs> and uh, by the way, uh, again, since you bring up the, uh, the point of uh, costs of, uh, of everything, uh, folks can use their uh, benefits uh, yes. that through a uh, partnership. It's uh, incredibly cool that, yeah, we indeed the SNAP EBT benefits can be used there mm-hmm. for the Ohio Direction card. Um, they can use it for you know, all kinds of food products there. So that's through United Way, OSU Extension, Habitat for Humanities, Financial Opportunity Center. John Hart helped us out a ton with that to get fresh produce there at the market. Yeah. And so then along with that, People who are getting produce, specifically the produce, mm-hmm. can use the Produce Perks program to get up to $25 additional every time they use their Ohio Direction card yeah. with their SNAP EBT benefits. So making that even go that much yeah, further. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. And again, that's, and that's part of what it's been great that we really, we listen to our evaluations. And last mm-hmm. year, people were saying more produce, more produce. And with this, that's why we just made the huge push for that. And beyond that, the Senior Farmers Market Nutrition Program, we accept that too. We've been doing that for since almost the beginning. And then the last really cool thing is the power of produce. My favorite thing. Love this. Where any kid age four to 15 can come in and get a $4 token to use that. And this is the important thing. The kid gets to pick out their produce. Yeah. And seeing those kids do that 
Chris, it's exactly the point of what this program is. The kids are so and proud. I bought this right. thing. And, and then they love it. Exactly. And the nutritionist will tell you that when the kids yeah. pick out what they want to eat, they are more likely to eat Bingo. better, healthier, and all of that. So really, a, a lot of uh, healthy living uh, things going on, components to the yes. uh, farmer's market. Now, the reason why we want to talk specifically today is uh, this happens every Thursday. Four to six. Normally, you are at the uh, in the the parking lot at the Marathon Center, you're going to be at a new location for this week. Yep. We just, MCPA had an event going on today, so we wanted to keep it the same time for everybody. Mm-hmm. So indeed, today, uh, and this is the only day we'll be doing it this, this season, four to six, we'll be in front of Best Buy. Thanks to them for letting us have a spot right out there and a good, easy, prime spot. Yeah. And uh, right in front of the mall. So we'll be there. And this is also our third Thursday, so we're going to have community organizations out there as well. Uh, Hancock Public Health, other people like that live music from our favorite uh, music guest, Ryan Parker. He's just amazing. Uh, market basket giveaways going on. So if people go quickly, go to our Facebook page before four o'clock today, they can get one opportunity to win one of those baskets and then <laughs> two more baskets in person. So okay. you bet. I, I, you bring up uh, the, the third Thursday. This has been an ongoing thing uh, where the third Thursday, and again, this happens weekly, but the third Thursday of the month, uh, you have special stuff going on, like Absolutely. the live music and, and all of the extras. Indeed. We, we, we love doing it. We want it to be as much of a community event, because you know, that's what the market is all about, is building mm-hmm. that community. So people right. people build the community with the vendors that they buy from and that relationship and that trust and knowing what they're doing. And, uh, and so we have that and this again, expands it to even more people to be able to come out like the financial opportunity center will be out there. Children's museum of Finley, we're almost in their backyard this time around. So they'll be out there focused and loft. So we just really appreciate to be build that community. Yeah. I want to make sure that we bring that up because I I don't want people to think that that is, uh, specifically because you're in the new location, the, the pop-up location this time. And that it's something, this is something you do every third Thursday. So timing works out beautifully. When we thought about this initially, we were like, we don't want to do this every week. Holy cow. (laughs) We may not, not every so many have thought, okay, every third Thursday, let's do that. So, and it's been wonderful because it gives us a break between that Mm -hmm. because this is all volunteer organized. So we don't want to burn ourselves out. But yeah, we want to bring a lot of cool stuff to the community. And uh, something fresh and unique and different uh, for those who... Uh, you mentioned that the farmer's market continues uh, through when? Through October, through all October. the way through. Indeed. Okay. So we're going to, as you mentioned, it's going to evolve. We're going to have pumpkins coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all, app, uh, hoping to get some apple vendors coming in. This week, uh, for the first time, we'll have pears at the market from okay. one of the vendors. Probably so, some sweet corn. and. Oh, yes. Like we've that. got sweet yeah. corn going on. Oh, my gosh. We've got yeah. a whole list of stuff. Zucchini, cucumbers, broccoli, tomatoes, cabbage, peppers, heirloom garlic, you know, uh, sweet corn, cantaloupe, trying to think of anything else there, watermelon. <laughs> Uh, oh, banana peppers. Wow, yeah, watermelon. Onion. Who's growing watermelon locally? That's Metzger's. Really? Yes. Uh huh. Metzger's Farm Market. That's yeah, indeed. Be, they bring be. a whole trailer just loaded with their stuff that they're growing. I don't there. think yeah. of watermelon as being something that is yeah. uh, grown locally. It's got to be uh, yeah. difficult to grow locally. Get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so really cool. You might be surprised. Uh, again, yes. the point being, you might be surprised what all uh, you will find at the mm-hmm. uh, at the farmer's market. Uh, again, uh, so a pop-up location, special location for today's uh, farmer farmer's market. Uh, give us all of the details once again. You got it. Four to six today and right in front of the Best Buy at the mall in Finley. And we'll be hanging out there with, again, a lot of extra stuff going on today because of the third Thursday. Yeah, so. And we'll be keeping an eye on the weather to keep everybody safe out we'll there. Believe our, me. Cross our fingers. 
fingers. Uh, we've got a link up for more information uh, about the farmer's market and all the vendors and, and all of that uh, at our webpage. You can go to goodmornings.net for that. And again, Scott Greenearth with us uh, this morning. Scott, thanks very much for dropping by. We Gladly. Well, you remember uh, during the pandemic, we had this huge influx of people who were uh, adopting new pets uh, just to have somebody to uh, some other living creature to share their time with during the uh, pandemic with all of this time that we had on our hands. Well, now it seems like we've got the uh, opposite problem uh, with respect to uh, shelters. A growing number of pets are entering shelters and fewer of them are now being adopted in 2023. So the Clear the Shelters campaign is a uh, partnership with Hills Pet Nutrition and NBC Universal and their local affiliates around the country. They're rallying advocates across the uh, nation to help shelter pets find new homes. So joining us this morning uh, is uh, Caroline Chulik, uh, Vice President of Marketing for Hills Pet Nutrition in the U.S., and Sophie Gaman, uh, award-winning photographer and animal advocate. Uh, Caroline, let me start with you. When we say that shelters are at or near capacity in the U.S., break that down to a number, uh, attach a number to that uh, for us. How many animals are we talking about? Sure. Yeah, Chris, listen, you're exactly right. Um, that this, this is a big issue. Six million is the number. Six wow. million dogs and cats enter shelters each year. And to exactly your point, fewer of those are getting adopted. Adoption rates are going down since we've many of us have returned to to work and let's call it life as we used to know it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, of course, what that means is many of those pets are spending a longer amount of time and in some cases their entire lives in shelters rather than in those loving homes they so deserve. So talk a little bit about the Clear the Shelter campaign and this partnership between Hills Pet and NBC Universal. Absolutely. At Hills Pet Nutrition, Chris, pets are at the heart and center of everything that we do, which is why we are so proud to continue our support of this Clear the Shelters campaign in partnership with NBC Universal Local. Um, as we've been talking about, there has never been a better time to consider welcoming a new cat or dog into your home, into your family, because that's exactly what they, they are, right? They bring so much joy. Um, and for over 20 years, Chris, we at Hills Pet Nutrition have actually helped over 13 million dogs and cats get adopted. And we do this by donating our science-led nutrition because we know when they are consistently eating that healthy food, they themselves are getting healthier, happier, and ready for that adoption. You know, it's kind of interesting just to drive home the point again uh, in another way. You mentioned uh, helping 13 million pets over the years, and there are still millions that need to be adopted. So, Uh, Again, just kind of underscores the need here. And Sophie, as we mentioned, you are an award-winning photographer. And I thought this was kind of interesting, uh, the fact that when it comes to getting a pet adopted, it's uh, not unlike uh, your dating profile site. The better the photography, the more likely it is that a uh, pet will be adopted, right? Yes, exactly. You know, humans are very visual. And when we see a photo or a video, you know, we can connect emotionally more easily with that animal. And uh, a study has found that seven in 10 people considered adopting a pet specifically because of their photo. Hmm. And I've been volunteering as a photographer for 12 years in shelters, and I've seen it time and time again. Some people even travel 
coming across the country, you know, to go pick up that one dog or cat they fell in love with on a photo on the internet. So you mentioned that you have volunteered for a number of years uh, with shelters and helping to get these pets adopted. What are some of the other types of volunteering activities that uh, that shelters find uh, most helpful? Because not everyone can adopt a pet necessarily, but we can all probably step up and do something, right? Yes, I think, you know, the, the big thing that I hear all the time is people telling me, I can't volunteer because it's too sad to see animals in cages. Um, I want to remind people that these animals need us. They've just lost the life the way they knew it. You know, they lost their, their family, their home, and now they're in a cage waiting. It's boring, it's stressful, it's uncomfortable. So what we can do as volunteers is come in and, and help alleviate that. We can hang out with them. We can, uh, you know, make cat toys or yummy treats for dogs or grab a book and sit by a kennel and read a book to dogs who are lonely and bored. There are so many ways you can help that are fun, engaging, and really life-changing for both the animals Again, uh, Caroline, we mentioned the Clear the Shelter campaign. Uh, Where do we get more information uh, on that to uh, help some of these pets uh, find their forever homes? Yes, please visit us at hillsclearthesheltered.com. Again, that's hillsclearthesheltered.com. Whether you donate financially, whether you donate your time, as Sophie mentioned, if you're able to foster or adopt, terrific. Really, honestly, Chris, anything that you can do, that we can all do to help every little thing um, has a huge impact in these pets' lives. Amen to that. Uh, again, uh, with us this morning, Caroline Trulick, uh, Vice President of Marketing for Hills Pet New nutrition and uh sophie gamond award-winning photographer and animal advocate thank you both for taking the time this morning we appreciate it thank you for having us you're listening to good mornings with chris oaks on 1330 wfin wfin.com and 95.5 fm we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert couple of stories of strange things falling from the sky and wreaking havoc below. Uh, in the <laughs> I know it just sounds very ominous. Strange things falling from the sky wreaking havoc below. A large person of the community of Sayreville, New Jersey, was left without power for several hours after a bird dropped a fish on a transformer. <laughs> We often have the stories of like squirrels getting into a substation and getting fried, knocking out power to a neighborhood or what have you. But this is a little unusual. Uh, The transformer exploded when the fish dropped uh, from the sky, causing a power outage. Uh, The fish, nicknamed Gilligan by the local police department, (laughs) in a uh, in a Facebook post by the uh, police. They say Gilligan was a hardworking family man, father to thousands of children, and sadly is no longer with us. As for the bird, the uh, police department notes that the suspect was last seen flying south. (laughs) Anyone who saw anything fishy is encouraged to contact Detective John Silver. Play on Long John Silver. Uh, They're in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey. At least they can laugh about it, but that is... A little unusual. I don't. I don't think we've heard uh, one of those stories uh, before. We had critters, squirrels, snakes. You know, all of those things. Wild animals sneaking into substations and knocking out power. But a fish dropped from an from a bird. 
it transformed and exploded and the rest, as they say, is history. Not to be outdone in a meteorological mystery uh, that uh, will be of interest to golfers. Officials at the Belvoir Park Golf Club in Victoria, Australia, were left scratching their heads when a giant divot appeared on the green the fifth hole. The superintendent of the golf club, Dylan Knight, was called in to fix the damage. And uh, what they figured out is that it was not the uh, it was not a, a weekend golfer, a weekend duffer who just didn't replace his divot. No, this was much bigger than that, much more substantial. Uh, apparently, the divot on the fifth green was caused by a colossal ice ball explosion. Now, that's not a term you hear every day, a colossal ice ball explosion. According to news reports, chunks of ice, some from as far as 160 feet away, uh, studded the area, leaving a dent in the ground that hinted at a considerable fall from a great height uh, coming out of the sky. Uh, Superintendent Dylan Knight, the golf course, uh, mused that the most plausible explanation was a high-flying culprit, an airplane. Aviation experts agreed, despite the rarity of such incidents due to plane de-icing technology, it certainly can happen when a a chunk of ice falls off of a plane, in this case, uh, exploded upon hitting the ground, and one of the golf ball-sized divot is this huge green uh, divot in the uh, in the green huge golf ball sized chunk of ice? <laughs> Repairs have been scheduled to mend the damage. The bizarre case remains a reminder that sometimes the skies can serve up, serve up unexpected curveballs of their own, so to speak, <laughs> creating a huge divot on the uh, golf course. I don't know just weird things falling from the sky. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, more examples of tourists behaving badly in foreign countries. Uh, in Rome, they've had a big problem with some of the iconic monuments in, in Rome, historic monuments. Uh, this latest, a woman was caught on video walking across the Trevi Fountain to fill her water bottle. The clueless visitor is seen climbing across rocks to reach the center of the 18th century fountain uh, just to fill her water bottle. A guard uh, shooed her away, confronted her. Uh, Apparently there are signs all over saying that this kind of thing is not allowed. Uh, The uh, onlooker who shot the video last month uh, also showed the signs in the video. There's signs saying you can't... Can't do this. Don't climb on the fountain. She said it was just so crazy she had to start recording it. Um, the uh, videographer, Lex Jones, said the woman, who remains unidentified, did not seem to understand her mistake or why she was in trouble. It was unclear if she was detained or fined for her behavior. The Trevi Fountain, which was designed by Nicola Salvi, completed by Giuseppe Panini in 1762, is the largest Baroque fountain in Rome and one of the most famous fountains in the world. It is not for refilling your water bottle. You would think that would go without saying, but 
Some people. And again, not to be outdone. Now, sometimes, uh, and this is in Spain, not in Italy, but in Spain, sometimes it's uh, not what you do, but what you don't do that can cause an issue when you're visiting a foreign country. You really have to be aware of the customs. Uh, Nude sunbathers in Spain are furious at tourists there who come to their nude beaches fully clothed. (laughs) Apparently that is causing a problem. People are coming to nude beaches who aren't nude. The Naturist Federation of Catalonia has launched a campaign asking the local government to help address the discrimination that nudists face on local beaches. Uh, The nudist claim that travelers uh, post information about the beaches uh, online as a place you have to visit when you visit Spain, but they fail to mention the fact that they are in fact nude beaches and these clothed tourists make the nudists feel uncomfortable. (laughs) The clothed tourists make the nudists feel uncomfortable. Uh, The nudists are also afraid that photos of them relaxing naked will turn up on the internet. Uh, Some say they have even been laughed at or verbally abused. Um, One naturist explains that having dedicated nudist areas helps protect participants. And if it's a nudist area, you shouldn't be allowed to wear clothes. I guess they do have a point. (laughs) I would have never thought, but I guess it does make sense couple of other items in the uh, broken news, uh, also from the international file. A Canadian restaurant has bid almost $12,000 to purchase an unused sandwich costume commissioned by the Canadian government. Okay, this is a bit weird. Uh, the costume, which is in the shape of a uh, donaire, which I didn't know what that was. Apparently, it's a sandwich similar to a hero. It's a wrap similar to a hero. Uh, It's uh, filled with beef, sauce, tomatoes, onions, and lettuce. The vulcanized rubber uh, costume uh, sandwich suit was originally created to be used in a uh, public service announcement by the province of Alberta. The project from back in 2015 was on the dangers of driving while uh, distracted with your food or what have you. Uh, The project, though, was scrapped and the outfit uh, went up for auction the suit sparked a debate and initiated a bidding war, um, and uh, this restaurant bid uh, nearly $12,000. Apparently, it's uh, controversial because some believe that lettuce does not belong in a Donair. I guess that is the big, big to-do, is the lettuce. Uh, Edmonton-based primetime Donair and Poutine won the auction and will keep the lettuce on the costume, I assure people. It was interesting. It was commissioned by the government. Wow. Uh, let's see here. And a couple of uh, local stories from the, or more local stories, this side of the pond, not international, domestic stories, I guess I should say. A woman in London, Kentucky, uh, has been arrested for driving under the influence while she picked her kids up from school. Brandy Evans failed a field sobriety test. Um... She is charged with also driving without a registration and driving without insurance. She was arrested right outside her kid's elementary school. 
after she had picked them up from class. Don't do that. Not not the mother of the year. And finally, in the uh, broken news uh, this morning, uh, this story, a troublesome bear known for breaking into homes in the South Lake Tahoe area of California has been shipped out of state. The 500-pound black bear known as Hank the Tank, even though he's a she, is responsible for at least 21 break-ins and a lot of property damage. Uh, But they didn't want to put the bear down, so they shipped her off to Springfield, Colorado. Wonder how the residents of Springfield, Colorado feel about that. You know, that's that's all well and good for the people of uh, Tahoe, but not so much for the people in Colorado. I just thought that was a very strange solution. There you go. Uh, some of the uh, most interesting uh, stories of the odd and unusual file. Today's broken news report. And with that, we return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height for all the action of Trojan football. You'll get every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. The Trojans open the season Friday night at home with Toledo Central Catholic. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Given that more than half of all marriages in this country end in divorce, the folks at Forbes uh, decided to conduct a study to find out not only the underlying forces that lead to a couple deciding to uncouple, but also they dug a little deeper to find out why couples choose to get married today in the first place. And Perhaps what they could have done to save their marriage, these divorced couples. What they found was that the biggest factor in getting a divorce, according to those who have, they cite a lack of family support. 43% said a lack of family support is a big uh, contributing factor to their divorce. Uh, Infidelity or extramarital affairs uh, came in second at 34%. Uh, 31% cited a lack of compatibility, lack of intimacy, and or too much conflict or arguing. Um, financial stress was cited by 24% of divorced couples. There's a reason for their divorce. 23% uh, said a lack of commitment. 20% parenting differences. Kind of interesting. Uh, 10% said they just married too young. 6% cited opposing values or morals within a couple. Substance abuse, physical and or emotional abuse uh, came in at 3% each, and 1% cited pursuing different lifestyles as a reason for divorce. When it comes to why people get married in the first place, uh, 42% said it was for financial security. 42%, that was at the top of the list, 39% said companionship, uh, compared that to the 36% who said love. (laughs) Only 30, uh, companionship and financial security outpaced love as a reason to get married for these couples. Getting married as a formal act of making a commitment and to start a family uh, was cited by 34%. 28% said they married for convenience. 25% 25% for medical insurance, 
Again, sign of the times, right? 16% said they got married for legal reasons. And 7% said that the reason that they got married was because of societal and or family pressures to get married. Um, and uh, finally, again, looking at ways to, sa- to save a marriage that is in trouble, 63% said that a better understanding of the commitment of marriage before tying the knot could have saved their marriage. 56% listed a better understanding of the values and morals of their partner. 44% said waiting to start a family. Uh, Maybe starting a family too young. And that is a trend we see among uh, younger couples waiting to start a family. So, I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. 44% said it could have saved their marriage if they'd have waited to start a family. Seeking professional help from a therapist, 42% said uh, that would have uh, helped save their marriage. Uh, 40% said waiting longer to get married. Again, a lot of uh, couples are are doing that, waiting longer to get married. And uh, 29% said living together prior to being married would have been a good idea. Uh, just 5%, I thought, at the, at the end of the day, uh, again, a lot of numbers here, but at the end of the day, of all of the divorced couples that Forbes talked to for this study, only 5% said that there is no way that their marriage could have been saved, that it was totally doomed, could not have been saved. Only 5%. So happening around town, the Fort Findlay Playhouse second stage production of Ben Franklin, An Ingenious Life is later this month. And joining us this morning is the man himself, J.R. Smith, uh, in the uh, title role of uh, Ben Franklin and uh, director Heidi Raymond. Um, first of all, Heidi, I my first thought uh, in this is this can't be that difficult to direct because it's a one man show. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, so it definitely has its own challenges. Um, <laughs> when you're when you have a, a gaggle of folks on the stage, sometimes it's like herding cats. <laughs> exactly. But when you get farther in the production, oftentimes, especially during performances, if if an, one actor gets stuck, the mm. other actors can kind of that's very true. Limp everybody back to where they're supposed that's to be. That's very true. In a yeah. one-man show, that's not so true. Yeah. If he forgets where he is, he has to kind of look around <laughs> and figure, figure you're it on, out himself. You're on your he's own. by himself. Yep. You're on um, your own there. But I've worked with JR a lot, and um, he, he... So let's be honest. It is sometimes like herding a cat of one. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, so JR and I have worked together a lot, and both um, as production staff and on stage together. Yeah. So he and I pretty much have a, a good agreement on on where yeah. we're supposed to be but sometimes he's like turning in circles I'm like, yeah, 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 we, we yeah. kid because we care uh, <laughs> um, which is why i wanted heidi to be my director that we have worked together so many times before mm-hmm. um with a one-man show i know a lot of people that do one they think that they can pretty much direct themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I presented this to our play reading committee mm-hmm. uh, to do as a one man show, I did say, but I definitely want a director. And I told them who I wanted mm-hmm. because we have worked together so many times yeah. before. And 
She has a good eye. So what drew you to this? Now, this is not an original. I know some of the second stage productions will occasionally mm-hmm. be originals. This is not that. Um, right. But I, I don't know how many people are familiar with this uh, with this show. How did you discover it? What drew you to this? Probably not too many people are familiar with it. Um, I had played Benjamin Franklin in the musical 1776 that the Playhouse did some time back, mm-hmm. which is when I first became very interested in the character and learning more about him. Um, during the production, I was given by a very good friend of mine, Betty Hip, uh, who also has done stuff at the Playhouse, a small book called The Wit and Wisdom of Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. And as I read that, I just became so interested in the character um, and enjoyed playing him so much. I thought, so one of these days, I need to do a one-man show of Benjamin Franklin. So I set out to actually write one. Uh, that did not go very well. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, you don't have to reinvent the re- wheel because right. it's already been done. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I did some research and I found this uh, person from Philadelphia who had done a one-man show. Um, he performed it himself. But then I found on his website, he's also a mystery writer and mm-hmm. a writer of short stories, that his play was available for licensing. So I got a hold of him. Yeah. And got all the particulars on how to do it, mm-hmm. and well, started learning. It is such a, an interesting character in our nation's history because, as the write-up says, he is the founding father who winks at us. Mm-hmm. He, he's the one that had the sense of humor, right? Yeah. And in exactly. that, I would imagine is a big part of this of oh, yeah. this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the quips that we use are are things that he said yeah so we this show kind of brings a few of those into context because he tells the stories of how how those came to be Mm -hmm. not really how they came to be but the story behind how they came to be yeah so and and i also understand that this is uh somewhat interactive uh as well in the sense that well, I guess with any one-man show, you're going to uh, sort of interact and engage the mm-hmm. audience in a different way than you would in a, in a typical, uh, typical right. play. Normally, we have what we call the fourth wall, right? Um, which is the open area exactly. before the stage. And we never make eye contact with the audience. Mm-hmm. But in this, uh, the idea is that the audience has come to visit Benjamin Franklin, and we are in his home. Yeah. So it's just always constantly you know looking at the audience talking to the audience, Specifically to mm-hmm. the audience. kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a, a more uh, one-on-one kind of thing right which again perfect place for this at the uh, fort finley sure. playhouse mm-hmm. because it is so intimate and we talk about that all the time is right. uh, makes it a special place to see a show but especially a show like this mm-hmm. so um what when you as as you're doing this play is there something that uh, about as mentioned you were a fan of benjamin franklin uh, having played him in the in the musical but are there things that you discovered about the man that you know were new or or unique in playing this role in this show oh yeah so many things um well mostly a lot of his, a lot of our sayings that we have today right actually came from benjamin franklin yeah, such like as a penny saved is a penny earned early to bed early to rise makes a man healthy wealthy and wise mm-hmm. um yeah, stuff like that. We're all familiar with the kite experiment with mm-hmm. electricity. Right. But I became so engrossed in learning more about that, that there are some myths involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact you that, mean that... You mean that story that's been handed down for 200 <laughs> plus years has been embellished? Very, well, very much it, embellished. It did happen, but... <laughs> I'm shocked. this is shocked. probably a warning to your listeners that... 
lightning actually did not strike Benjamin Franklin's right. kite. And if yeah. it had, that would have been the last the we Benjamin ever heard Franklin. Of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very right. different That's ending right. to the That's play. Right. Let's right. just exactly. put it that way. Right. He did not discover yeah. electricity, but he did um, discover the relationships between lightning and electricity, which led mm-hmm. him to invent the lightning rod, which yeah. I did not know before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, don't don't fly a kite. In, the in, in, in a yeah. storm. <laughs> Kids, don't try this at home. But it right. is, uh, so it is, um, uh, I don't want to say educational, that's not necessarily the point of it, but people right. will it's, will learn things that they didn't know, I guess is what exactly. I'm Exactly. It's like, get at. to know this man that yeah. you know, you've all heard of because you've heard of the uh, common stories, but there are so many, so many more things about him that, yeah. that you would just like to know. Yeah. And, and the humor is just... Yeah, it's just Again, amazing. <laughs> the founding father, he was the one that had the sense of humor. I could, I, I would, it would be interesting to to think about how that whole period of history would have been different without Ben Franklin's oh, sense goodness. of humor. Yeah, because it would have mm-hmm. gone very different. I think, and not only his sense of humor, but I read an interesting article uh, that because of the electricity experiments, had it not been for that, we may still be under British rule today. Because when he became an ambassador to France, the king of France at the time had such a a love for science Mm. and would discuss things with Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin was there to solicit help for For our independence. And he was much more willing because they were one of our first friendship with Franklin. Interesting stuff. So uh, the show itself, it actually is a a short run. It's uh, later this month, right? Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. um, next Friday, Saturday and Sunday. the Friday show is at 8. Saturday has a matinee, which is unusual for us. It's 2 o'clock and, and then again at 8. Okay. And then Sunday is at 5. Okay. Uh, tickets are available right now online and mm-hmm. by phone, correct? Yep. Correct. And uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for more information. Ben Franklin and Ingenious Life uh, at the uh, Fort Finley Playhouse. And again, uh, director Heidi Raymond and uh, J.R. Smith, the uh, one-man show. Uh, with us in the uh, studio this morning. Guys, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Really busy day to finish up the week. It's the first football Friday of the new season. We'll get a complete preview of all of the area games. Speaking of Friday nights on the gridiron in the Buckeye State, The Bishop Sycamore scam was an embarrassment to Ohio high school football, but how did it happen? And could it happen again? An eye-opening conversation with former OHSAA executive Ben Faree, co-author of the new book, Friday Night Lies. And of course, another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen to finish up the week as well. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.